and welcome to 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. I'm your host, Rachel Vogel, and joining me tonight is Joe Poindexter, Executive Vice President of Digital at Pulse Music Group. Joe is recognized as a music industry executive who's produced significant growth in web and social media presence for the company's talented songwriters, producers, and artists, which in turn has provided a robust platform for industry awareness of client achievements and milestones. With a career spanning more than 20 years, Joe has also worked at Hollywood Records, Disney Music Group, Geffen Records, Q Prime Management, and Columbia Records. And in the fall of 2022, he became an adjunct professor in the Music Industry Studies Program at the University of Southern California. California. So Joe, it's so great to have you here. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Rachel. It's great to be here. Well, with that, are you ready for question one? Let's do it. Imagine for a second, you're sitting down with your 25 year old self. What one piece of advice would you give him on a personal note? And what one piece of advice would you give him from a business perspective? For me, I think believing in yourself and trusting the skill set that you currently have is massively important for anyone young in the business. I tell my students at USC, I tell young people that I work with that this business, for as big as you think it might be, it's also quite siloed. And I, I think if you think that uh, the head of marketing for a record label is probably not interfacing with the songwriter. The COO of a publishing company is probably not interfacing with a talent buyer at an arena anywhere in the country. The head of CAA is probably not interfacing with the head of music supervision at a television network. Mm. All of these people are very important parts of the music business. They are all have individual roles. And in a way, we all potentially connect with similar artists or similar campaigns, but we don't necessarily interface with each other. And so I think it's very important that you need to know where you fit and you need to be able to choose a lane based upon your skill set. Stick with that. Be able to have the ability to find out who are the players in that lane you've chosen. What's the trajectory for you to be successful in that lane? And understand that your skill set is best suited for that lane and that you stick with it. I think the common problem that we have as young people in the music businesses, I think we all think we're A&R people. Yeah. And I had to learn that I was not an A&R person by trying it. And so I think if someone comes out into the business without really knowing what they want to do, that sometimes a bad experience, Rachel, is the only way they know they don't ever want to do that again. Mm -hmm. But once you find something that you feel you're good at, stick with it. The second thing I would say is you have to understand that the experiences that you're having now at age 25, successes, failures, stresses, relationships, there's a chance that these have no impact at all in what you're doing 15 years later. It's crazy to think that, but it's true. And the reason why is because in 20 years, the music business has gone through three eras, a CD era, a digital download era, and now the streaming era that we live in. Social media has been through sea changes in 10 years. If you think about starting with MySpace, going to Friendster, going to Facebook, going to YouTube, going to Twitter, Vine, going to Snapchat, going to Instagram, and now the world we live in with TikTok, mm. there's a sense that if you spent 10,000 hours perfecting your craft at one of those platforms, those platforms could be irrelevant in a year. And so I think that uh, the, the thing that you have to remember is 
the the experiences that you might be having could potentially seem redundant. And I want to give a really funny story. In the mid 2000s, the music industry was really focused on combating piracy. The idea that you could rip MP3 files off of CDs that you bought at the store. I probably spent two to three years attending conferences. I traveled around the country. I sat in rooms of very smart people at companies that were developing patents and uh, developing intellectual property to combat piracy. And we had these incredible presentations about how Universal and Sony and Warner Music Group at the time were going to be able to solve this issue of people ripping audio files. And if you think about that today in 2022, it's pretty funny, isn't it? Because we don't like no one would ever think that that would be something that you would cross the mind of any young person in the music business now, not only CDs, but just the idea that the business invested so much time and money to try to combat piracy. And now we live in an era where you don't have to own anything. You just have you pay a fee, a $10 rental fee, and you get whatever you want, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing too to think about too is just retail and and physical where how much money and resource was spent to create signage and uh, end caps and header cards and I remember here in LA I think it was $25,000 a month to decorate the roof of the Tower oh, wow. Records on Sunset Boulevard and you can kind of look back on that and laugh right but with both of those experiences, there were plenty of stresses. There were plenty, plenty of deadlines. There were plenty of highs and lows and feelings of, I just conquered the world. And if you work in the music business in 2023, you don't have any parallel example of anything like those two examples I gave. And then finally, I think I'd tell myself at 25 is you really need to be honest and authentic with your relationships and understand how to have a solid belief in who will help you unconditionally. I think we all have more acquaintances than we have friends, right? Definitely. And I feel that we sometimes stretch the truth on our relationship with somebody if we think it's going to help us with our company or with our journey. And I think a lot of people get caught a lot of people get caught saying so-and-so is my close friend and the company says, well, great, hit them. Like we, we need them because we're trying to get in touch with X, Y, Z. And now the burden is on you to talk to your close friend who really wasn't your close friend mm -hmm. and you can get really caught. So I think that's one side of it. The other side of it is don't ever put yourself in front of a company, but don't ever take the company to your own benefit for your own selfish reasoning. Do your time. Understand that you have a position. Don't exercise the truth on what your actual position is. I think a lot of people make that same mistake as well. They may be a mailroom and they all of a sudden say they're in A&R or mm -hmm. they all of a sudden say they're in radio, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just understanding at the time that the best thing you can do is not burn a bridge as a young person in the business. So I think it's those three things. As long as you're honest with yourself and you're honest with other people, it'll all work out. <laughs> Everything always works out when you believe it will. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, moving on. Question two. 
every industry has its dirty little secrets, and you and I both know that it's no different in the music industry, but sometimes people think that's a bad thing when that's not always the case. Sometimes they can be good. What's one secret you would like to share with our listeners about the industry? Well, it's not shocking, but (laughs) unlike a professional athlete, you can be very successful as an artist with very little talent. And I think that if uh, an athlete is the one tenth of one percent of all athletes, that the you have to be that elite in your talent in order to make a career as an athlete. Um, it's not true in the music business. I think that um, the world we live in currently with TikTok, I'm starting to define Rachel the idea of a career artist, mm-hmm. a one hit wonder, and now what I'm calling no hit wonders. <laughs> There are a lot of those these days. There are. There are. And a lot of them are getting paid a lot of money. (laughs) I think the idea that we are relying on data more than ever, and we're relying specifically on a platform to help define what people are interested in. The challenge, though, is the, the ability to become popular on TikTok specifically is sometimes not even derived around a great song. It sometimes it isn't even derived around the hook of a song. It's derived around something that just works for eight seconds for something funny on TikTok or a mm-hmm. skit or a challenge or a trending or Charlie D'Amelio does a dance for it. It may not even be the original version of the song. There's a song right now that's one of the top used so- uh, sounds on TikTok. It's the sped up version of the original version that was released. Oh, yeah. That is going all over. <laughs> yeah. So the sped fact up, that, slow um, down. Yeah, that that you that someone decided to use an obscure song, sped it up. There now is a, a a TikTok eight second video that everyone's doing a version of. From the standpoint of identifying if the person or artist behind that song can sing or has mm-hmm. any talent or any charisma or maybe has ever been on a stage, is completely thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. And so I think it sort of speaks to the idea that you can have very little talent and be successful as an artist in the business. Second, hit songs solve every problem of talent. <laughs> and again, there's no professional athlete that can find somebody to help make them run faster or jump higher or be stronger, right? That's within them. You can, you or I, Rachel, I'm not a singer. I don't know if you're a singer, but <laughs> if we get together with the right producer and we have a major hit songwriter write a song. You or I could potentially record it and somebody could make a sound like pro. Totally. And all of a sudden, the record company has uh, an easier job if I have a big following already because I have a cute face or I do some silly thing or somebody co-signed me or they have a little bit more to work, work to do, but not a lot of work to do because they know that the song in itself is great. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the necessity of having natural born talent and the ability to um, do something that allows for you to be unique um, could potentially be a little secret of the music business. Well, thank you for sharing. That was a good one. (laughs) All right. We are already at the final question. Here we go. 
Throughout your career, I can only imagine you've been asked a lot of questions, whether for industry conferences, the media, or even a promotion. But throughout all of those interviews and all of those questions, I'll bet there was one that you've never been asked but would have liked to. So what is that question and what would be your answer? I love this question. <laughs> the question I've not been asked that I have a very strong opinion about is what actually means something to an artist in 2023, let's say, just for the sake of this conversation. Mm -hmm. I always use the four Fs, fame, fortune, followers, fans right? Four different things, fame, fortune, fans, followers, right? Because I don't think mm -hmm. fans and followers are necessarily the same thing. Yeah. And then I think of things like awards or legacy or a hit song or playing on SNL or headlining a festival of 100,000 people. If you were an artist, what means the most to you? And I don't think enough people ask, ask that question. And I think that there's a very intelligent philosophical conversation about this because clearly if you pooled a hundred artists, you wouldn't get the same answer. But I can tell you from my experience, having worked with some very big artists in my career and traveled around the world with several of them, I think a career artist would say fans more than anything else. And the reason why is because the ability to connect with another human being through a song that you either sang or wrote or are part of and the effect that that had on another human being, whether it was helping them grow more confident in themselves or helping them get through a relationship or helping them um, potentially uh, be more mindful of other people or doing a good deed or whatever that might be, that you touched another human being in a way that music is supposed to. Mm -hmm. I also feel that if you asked other artists, they would say it's about a hit song. They want to be able to have their name associated with a song that is an evergreen song that 50 years from now, everybody knows. And that fans just eventually go away, right? Fans move on. We live in a cyclical world. They, um, they just move on to whatever else is popular. And as you become less popular, fans just sort of drift away. But if you can be a, a person, let's just say Rick Astley, for example, because that's a key, key, key song right <laughs> now, 40 years later, um, that you can walk around a shopping mall in your 70s. You could go to a, a, a football game and hear a song that you performed or wrote, played. You're getting royalty checks every single year for 40 years. I think some artists would say that, that they more than anything else want to have one song that they're always known for until they die. Mm -hmm. And then I think that there's probably other artists that would say the unfortunate part, which is fame and fortune, right? And a, a sense that they want to make as much money as they can because they know it won't last forever. And having the feeling of comfort in themselves, regardless if they actually have fans, if it's just followers and brand deals and uh, you know a, a TikTok virality thing stamp on their their resume, some people right now I think are shallow enough to say that. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's the question, and I think that's why it's a very interesting conversation to have because I certainly know at least at Pulse we represent artists that don't care at all about followers. And being nominated for a Grammy means way more to them than any amount of money.
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that leads me in before we close this out. I'm wondering how has your experience been like working at a place like Pulse compared to you used to work for like Disney Music Group and Hollywood Records? How has it been different and what are any exciting projects you've been working on? <laughs> I love music publishing. It took me 10 years of working on the record label side of things to really not know what music publishing was to now it's the only thing that I can see myself working in for at least until I retire or I start teaching more. I think that working with songwriters and producers and understanding that there's two sides to every song, there's the master recording, and then there's the underlying composition. The idea that whomever uh, the artist that's associated with one version of that song, that that may only have a short shelf life, whereas maybe another version is recorded five, 10 years later, that becomes the version that makes that song a massive hit. And now you have thousands of covers of that song. The publisher in that instance is retaining that copyright perpetually. And we all, we both can probably think of so many songs where there were multiple versions that were successful and so I think that from my perspective, I came into Pulse at a time where it was myself and four other employees. We're now f- almost 40 employees. We had wow. 20 clients when I started. We're at 250 clients now. I feel honored to work with artists like James Blake and Brent Fias and Corday and Kalani and Ty Dolla Sign and some songwriters that really we found at a very, very young part of their career that have clearly become part of culture. Uh, as far as their ability to understand what's relevant, what's current, how to write a great song, how to collaborate, which is a skill set that not every single writer and producer has. And I think from a marketing standpoint, from my job here, I do my best to aggregate everything that we have for data points for the company and make sure that we're taking care of our clients when it comes to letting the industry know what they've done and what they've accomplished. And I think I use a sports analogy all the time for Pulse, which is we're a independent company. So I think of ourselves as a minor league baseball team <laughs> or a baseball team in a small market. Let's just say Kansas City, Missouri. I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> if, you, if you're the best player for the Kansas City Royals, at, you're not going to stay there. You're eventually going to take the biggest amount of money that you can get because there's not a luxury tax in baseball. So you play for the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs or the Red Sox, these big payroll, big market teams. Mm-hmm. Pulse has the same challenge, right? Which is if we sign a writer and they have a bunch of hits in two years, we have the challenge of them now being a free agent and being pitched by all of our competitors, including the major publishers. We need to provide them a reason to stay here. And trust me, there are baseball players that decide they never want to leave where they're at, no matter how much money's out there. Cause they just, their family lives there. They love it there. They have a great relationship to the, the city and the community. And so I think in a way we sort of approach that same thing, which is what can we do to keep a writer at a small company? And I think pulse does a wonderful job in creating a culture here. And some of it comes down to Rachel, that our company's run by songwriters that mm-hmm. really helps when you can have a feeling of understanding, uh, that's massively important. Amazing. Well, Joe, it has been so great having you on tonight. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And to all of my listeners, I know you enjoyed hearing from Joe just as much as I enjoyed speaking with him. So stay tuned for next week's episode of 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. See you next time.